Welcome, friends, to another episode of The Conversation, my opportunity to speak to interesting people about the coronavirus or life in the coronavirus and beyond it. Uh, my special guest today, my interesting uh, friend, I should say interesting person today, is Whitney Banowitz, who is the partner or a partner in RDG Partners uh, accounting firm. She did her academic work at the University of Tennessee, Go Vols. Uh, she spent a year in Europe. Uh, well, maybe we'll talk about that after college, and uh, and then moved to Rochester, where she began her career at a local accounting firm in 2006. In 2011, she bought the firm uh, from her senior partner and grew it uh, significantly in the first four years, which led not to one but two mergers: one in 2013 and one in 2018. She's a licensed CPA, working with small business owners among other uh, groups. So that's one thing we might want to talk about this morning. She does company mergers, individual clients, works with individual clients and helping them on a path of growth and profitability, etc. She is married to Brian um, and has, wait for it, five kids <laughs> under the age of 10. So um, all to all people, I should say, or but all ladies listening, she's an example that you can do it all. What would you say? Under eight, five <laughs> kids under eight. I was corrected. Okay, so pretty amazing. So Whitney, welcome to the conversation. Thank you. Glad for to have you me. here. And before I dive in, um, how are you? Told me a little bit about this before we got going. But how is Brian and you? As as you just corrected me, your five kids under eight. Everybody healthy? How's how's life in the coronavirus for the Banowitz family? We are healthy and doing well. We are finally in a. And a good groove with the homeschooling. I'd say that was wow. one of the biggest transitions, but with great support from our kids' small Christian school, wow. um, we have now become trained teachers and are all doing well. Wow. Unbelievable. And of your five kids, not everybody's in school, right? Two. Two. Okay. Wow. And she's, you just mentioned to me, she told me before we get going that her husband, Brian, who I know is home I should interview him, just ask him what life's like. <laughs> the kids go to the nanny's house, so it's oh, quite peaceful uh, for him. Oh, I see. Good. Okay, good. <laughs> so we, he just uh, went down a few pegs after that, but yeah. I know, that's good. So let me begin where I began. Really what started this, Whitney, this whole thing for me, this um, podcast, is a question that I'm sure you've thought about, or a lot of people have thought about, is you know how different is the is what we're going through now than what we've gone through before. I mean, your, your your resume, so to speak, that I just read says that you were, you know, in business. You you started just before the last big, you know, um, disruption, right, in 2000, you know, seven, eight, nine. So you've lived through that. You were certainly alive in, in 2001 and doing uh, whatever you were doing in 2001. So these aren't brand new. But as a, as a partner in a firm that deals with money and clients and people and the economy, of course, is very important to your business, not, not to mention your personal life. Do you see this any different? Is this, a, is this an episode to be endured, you know, like maybe even 2008 was? You know, we're going to get through this and most people may be unaffected. I don't know how we were talking about it then. Or is this something more significant in your opinion? Yeah. In my opinion, it's, it's um, a transformational time in our society. Mm. Um, I think reflecting back on 
on history, it was maybe, there was maybe a little bit more lead time. There was, uh, people saw it coming. Businesses were slowly making transitions as opposed to this, which was very abrupt. I think right. a majority of us went from, oh, that's, you know, that nursing home out in Oregon. Right. And, you know, we're, right. that's never going to be here. And then within a couple of days, it was our businesses were shutting down, restaurants were closed, and our kids were all home every day. Right. Um, so it was, it was abrupt. Um, I think, therefore, the the speed at which everything went has also created a lot of panic and possibly even more, um, you know, emotional stress and and business owners to really think about how they're running their businesses. And um, to me, one one of the most surprising um, parts of all of this was the number of panicking individuals and business owners absolute state of panic calling me within a week. And we didn't know how long. I think all of us thought this would last, you know, right, a month. Right. Um, and I was absolutely shocked. I couldn't believe the state of panic everybody was in. I thought, shame on us for running our personal lives and our businesses um, in a way that we can't endure, a, you know, a couple weeks or a month right. of, of, you know, something different than right. the norm. Right. So I'm hopeful that um, we are all learning from this and mm -hmm. we'll be running better, healthier uh, businesses um, and people will manage their own personal finances a little mm -hmm. differently, knowing that this solid and fairly stable economic environment we live in isn't a birthright. Right. So um, some of that question uh, is is about not only what you, you, you talked a little bit about how our reaction, our our. our Different reactions. Maybe, maybe some of us have, you know, I don't know, we're overreacted or, 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 or we're underprepared and showing that we were underprepared in our reaction, and we're sort of now we're in it. Like you say, it's already been. We're already, I guess, we're in our going into our third month, and it's more than many of us thought. And may, maybe we're, maybe we're the dust is settling. But one of the groups I know that you work with a lot, your your company, that is. Is small businesses, and if I got my facts right, you can correct me because I, I I'm not it's not my area of expertise, but that I think I read something that said a bit more or less um, half of the entire economy, right? Half of the labor force is small, what we would call a small business, and if that's true, one um, from your point of view, how um, are they being affected disproportionately? Um, same as everybody else, a little more, a little less. How are they being affected? in this and what do you see um is the out uh, the next uh step for them how how will the post covid world affect them getting their feet back uh on on the ground yeah i would say one of the most fascinating parts of all of this to me has been watching small businesses react and the um, impact. Some have absolutely been thriving. I mean, I think of mm. Treetown Cafe over great. there that has set up the farm and, you know, people are lined up to yeah. go walk around and get their groceries outside. And I see lots of little businesses. I work with a handful of small companies that have just been able to pivot quickly, move forward and have found really creative, great ways to, to, usually be helpful, but also continue to serve. Um, 
their their clients and customers. And then obviously there's the the absolute other end of the spectrum where unfortunately they're in a in an industry that was completely shut down like or restaurants with the restaurants, restaurants yeah. salons. Right, right. Um, I have a great friend that spent 10 years building a wedding invitation, custom wedding invitation, employed 10 people in the area, mm-hmm. spent the last 10, 15 years building this and weddings are not happening right. and she doesn't know when they're going to happen and she, you know, so um, I think there's been a very diverse impact mm. on the small businesses. And um, I think the other reason it's been disproportionate is the small businesses often have the smaller leadership teams or mm. less people on their leadership team and limited resources. So at a time where, you know, they need legal I get unemployment questions all day long. That's an HR. They often don't have an HR person. They don't right. have a uh, legal person. They might not even have a great relationship with their accountant. Mm. Um, and so I think they were they were handicapped a little bit mm. in that they didn't have the resources, and then they were dealing with you know trying to keep their business going while also trying to navigate. Um, all of the opportunities out there. And it was, for a CPA, it was even complicated and ever-changing and continues to change. So it was overwhelming for us to try to keep up with and understand. Mm. I can't imagine the small business owner that this isn't their area of expertise. So, you know, I would say it was it was certainly more challenging for the small businesses that just didn't have the resources. Um, but I am hopeful that a lot of them have learned from this and they will mm. build stronger relationships and maybe value people with certain skill sets a little bit more going forward or at least have those relationships built in the case they need them. I read an article um, a couple of weeks ago about the um – the CARES Act or whatever they call it, and, um, or what we're calling it. I know there's a couple different, two or three pieces of legislation, I guess, that have passed. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of um, counsel or given a lot of counsel, I mean, regarding that. But one, of the, the point of the article was that um, many small businesses, kind of what you were just saying, who who didn't have, you know, an HR department or didn't have, a, obviously, a you know, a legal department or didn't have a even, you know, Maybe someone that's a, a, what you'd formally call an administrator, let's say a restaurant, plus like you mentioned a salon, it could be you know, a small real estate office, whatever, who um, didn't get their act together enough, or, or, or maybe that's a bad way of saying it, you know, were, were, were slow to the take, um, did not fill out the form. And as I understand it, you probably know this better, uh, the, you know, either the second one or the third one you know, the party's over, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's no longer a forgivable grant. It's almost for sure alone. There's greater restrictions. So is it your understanding or is it, has it been your observation that a lot of the small businesses that you either work with or that just, um, that you observe are taking a hit there, that they, they miss the boat? To answer your question about the businesses we work with, I would say no, they did not miss out because we bent over backwards. To help we, them figure it out. Two weeks before it even happened, I had friends that worked through the 9-11 disaster loans. You know, I have great leadership in my firm, and one of our managing partners pulled us in a room Saturday before all this really got serious and said, mm. this is what's coming, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to be on the forefront of this. We're going to be proactive, and we're going to guide the community through this. Mm. So our big clients, our small clients – Anybody that was willing and wanted the help had our help. Um, the smaller ones are people working with um, you know, even bigger accounting firms that weren't as prepared or couldn't prepare themselves as quickly or didn't have, you know, go to a small tax preparer that maybe is only one or two people. Um, absolutely, they 
they were they missed the boat. The timing was was quick. It was fast paced. If you didn't have the financial information needed, if you didn't have your payroll reports, if you didn't have the certain things required, I mean, it happened so fast. I mean, it was really um, quite overwhelming. Um, and so I do think that also, um, you know, so it was very dependent on who you were working with and um, how they were able to help and how proactive they were being. But it also was very dependent on the bank you had. And some banks were just moving a whole lot quicker. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. we did have some clients that did miss out because they were they were committed to their bank and their bank didn't move as quickly right. as some of the other banks. So mm-hmm. um, it, so yeah, I would yeah. say it was disproportionate. And, and I do fear that there are many one and two person uh, auto, you know, auto shops and smalls, you know, barber shops and real small guys um, that probably haven't qualified or even Mm. known. I spoke to somebody today down in Florida and actually we did a little uh, webinar for 30 business owners. They had no clue. I mean, I think it's very commonly talked about up here and we're very knowledgeable. Right. Most of them were like, oh, you know, we had no idea about, you know, all these details. And uh, so it was quite eye-opening to see even within different regions, I think. How much Um, people were aware of it, took advantage of it. Yeah, right. And are you now, your firm, I mean, I know it's gotten more, much more restrictive and complicated. Is it, is it still a part of your work or is it, you know, much I'm talking about the government money thing. Is it day-to-day basis? Absolutely. Uh, okay. Whole car ride here. I was walking somebody uh, through. So we went from um, spending hours understanding, you know, the actual loans and the programs and the mm. options and digging through the 800-page bill uh, to properly understand it and then finding ways to communicate it. Then it would change. So then you're wow. you're updating everything, and then it would change, and then the round two would come out, mm. and then loan option number three would come out, um, and then we'd get everybody. So I would feel I think a large majority of our clients have received the funding, but now we're on to phase two, right. the forgiveness portion. Right. So now we're spending all of our time working, helping people maximize the strategy, you know, strategize around maximizing the forgiveness, mm. um, and so. All day long, we're answering those questions or or smaller Mm. businesses that have people on employment and what's the strategy in terms of bringing them back, but we're still closed and we're not. So there's state law and state guidance and county guidance conflicting with the the loan program. Mm. So it's it's very challenging to figure Mm. out what's best and most appropriate Mm. um, for everybody to have. So um, looking forward... um you know, I mean, everybody's business, I suppose, is is tied to the economy, including you know the church business. But when I look at you, think of you're working, you know, in a big accounting firm and <clears throat> serving the clients that you do, institutions. I mean, what's your, I'll say, opinion, right? So you can you can you can have fun. Uh, I know you're not, you know, um, God or you know whatever <laughs> the oracle. But do you have an opinion about? I mean, are you upbeat about the economy? I I hear things from you know. Um, it's going to be um, really uh, a significant recession all the way through the end of next year. And, you know, this is the worst thing since the great crash of the uh, 1929 and or, you know, uh, by the end of the third quarter, we'll be back on our feet with single digit unemployment. I don't know. What, I just wonder what you... I'm very optimistic. Yeah. Um, I, I am very mindful of my conversations and I feel like the data I'm um, using to form my opinions is real conversations with real people and real businesses as opposed to what I see on TV. Um, And I think I hear a lot of optimism 
I am on three different boards. I'm in two executive leadership groups. And it's been interesting to me, you know, any from as early as, to, you know, most recent as today through week one, um, many of them haven't laid off. They haven't, you know, there, there's just, there's a lot of um, optimism and, and not a lot of people, um, you know, they'll, they'll say we, we realize we have an understanding that there is going to be an impact, but nothing that's scaring them to, you know, lay off everybody and tell them they're not mm -hmm. coming back. Um, so I hear a lot of positive. The other thing is I sit on multiple nonprofit boards and amazingly, the amount of giving in every one mm -hmm. of the ones I'm involved with is up well, in the last that? two to three months. You know, I was thinking about that. We were here. I know you're involved in the church and you know the church finances probably better than I do. But um, the um, we've had the same experience here. You know, we, we've we've been conservative on our, you know, spending and people have, uh, we've offered opportunity to help. And um, what I hear, you know, as a summary is we have more interest in, in wanting to help than need. And maybe that need will become greater if some people are losing their jobs. Um, but the other thing I was saying to, to uh Mike, our executive pastor, the other day is, again, I don't know where we're going to be 30 and 90 days from now, but relative to our finances doing, you know, relatively well. And I thought, you know, in, in, in my, just my world, okay, I actually have, I just, without, I'm not a real, you know, I don't pay super duper attention. You know, I, I, I manage my finances in a sort of a nimble way. You know, I don't, I don't down to the penny, but I've noticed I have more money now not tons of more money, but I mean, in the sense of, I forgot what I'm not spending. So I just wondered, I said to Mike, I wonder if in some ways, obviously this, when people give the kind of thing that you're referencing is, is true, you know, generosity from the heart and people just are committed and it's showing their, showing their, their true values or their company values. But I think even in small ways of individual families, I, I didn't even think about that, that I wonder if some people just aren't spending the kinds of same money that they were spending, whether it's on something as small as gas or, or, or entertainment. Obviously, you're not doing a lot of that. Mm -hmm. You're not going to football games or basketball games or, or the movies or whatever. I don't know if you... I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's not good for the economy overall. Right. And I right. think where my mind goes is like, we just had a large family vacation canceled. So uh, we just right. got a large amount back. Right. Um, and all these little things add up. Right. Some of them are big things. Right. Um, where but are I you guys going to go? Jamaica. Oh, you're all, all your all old kids? All inclusive. Yeah, what we a had blast. the whole thing. Did you get all your money up. back? Yeah, we did. Oh, good. Yeah, um, yeah so, I just canceled. But you know, my mindset where I went was... Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I, that's fine that we're out the vacation. But I started thinking about all those people, the the, the um, lower income, you know, lower wage positions. And that's where I think the impact I really agree. is. And right. it actually, I can't go a day without thinking about that's it. Good. And the people at these resorts in Jamaica or, right. you know, even right here in Rochester and many right. places that don't have a job anymore. Oh, you're right. And that's I, sad to me. I'd rather yeah. have the money spent and then have a yeah, job. Yeah, you even think about, um, I got a friend, you know, like everybody does who's in a band, you know, everybody's got friends in a band, but you know, all those people are boom. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that they're not making any money. Mm -hmm. So I know, cause I know you and, and Brian um, are, are followers of Jesus, but I wonder how your personal faith, if you've thought about this, your personal faith has influenced um, or not influenced or been an influence on your response. Could be of any crisis, but let's say of this one, do you, can you, are you sensitive to that? Yeah, I would say um, 
because I know I don't walk alone, there mm. has been zero sense of fear. Mm. No panic, no fear. I've dealt with panic. I've dealt with fear. I've gotten phone calls of people bawling their eyes out, scared to death of you know sickness, of financial in, um, crisis, of everything else. And I, it's it's not something I fear. I mm. I know that. You know, the Lord knows and that um, we're in good hands. Mm. And so with that just comes this this security. Mm. And it did create me to reflect on other times in my life where I could have also turned to panic, like an emergency C-section, doctors flying all around, red lights going off. And I think the doctors expected me to panic. Mm. But, and they're all saying, don't worry, you're going to be okay. And I was just laying there praying. I didn't, mm. I, I, I never once was there a sense of concern or fear or panic. Mm. I just, it's okay. I'm mm. fine. Mm. You know, and I think I remember right after coming out of the C-section thinking I was fine, but I know that was God. I know mm. that he put that calming force in mm. me and, and saved me from panic. So I think, you know, in reflecting on, on, um, on the, the, the way I have felt throughout this, it's been such a true blessing in that there's so much emotional energy, I think, that can go into some of that unnecessary worry. Mm. And I've been able to to use that energy um, to put forth the extra energy I've needed mm. to help to help business owners, to help my my family. I have a very different role as mom and teacher now, which has required quite a lot of energy. Right. Um, and I've been very thankful that I've not been fearful at all and that I've had that that energy and that hope in order to use it in the right way. Mm. You know, just a question. Um, I don't think I, I uh, gave you in advance, but uh, for people to get to know you a little bit better, have you have you thought about how your personal story, you know, not just you and Brian and your now your your five kids, as you say, under eight, but your, you know, your 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 early story, your Whitney, um, what's your maiden name? Merritt. Merritt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, your Whitney Merritt story. Um, how is your personal story um affected, do you think, your who you are today? In other words, I don't know if you've thought about that. Just, you know, how did the, how did the forces of your young life shape who you are today? Mm-hmm. I think always being a believer. Okay, so that's big. You know, I have always, my mom used to say she thought I was going to be a pastor Wow. when I was younger. So you became um, a believer as a kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I do think that has obviously always been a major factor in how I've lived my life. Mm-hmm. Um I think the people and the relationships. Yeah. I've always had very strong uh, people in my life and relationships in my life that I have relied on and grown with, mm. and I think they have all those have been major factors. Huh. But I mean, I'm I'm now I'm 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 sort of guessing here. But w- would people describe you, your friends, as someone who's driven? Absolutely. Okay, so. If and I, 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 I'm just guessing that I wouldn't. I, I'd have to think about it. But I mean, you, that would be something I would. Someone could say about you because of all you've accomplished. Is there any? What, what do you ascribe that to? Why are you driven? Is it because that's just who you are? It's how you're wired. Your mother was that example. You are. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can you Thinking. can think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think it's. Partly how I'm wired. Yeah. Okay. It's in me. Yeah. 
you know, in college, mm-hmm. I worked three jobs and got two different degrees and studied abroad twice mm-hmm. and didn't miss a party. Yeah. You know, I, I had to always. So I think um, it's how I'm wired. It's also my parents have been very blessed with a ton of energy and stamina. And I think you yeah. need that. Did you have a lot of kids in your family? Um, three. Okay. But Counting we, were, you. we hiked mountains 10 okay. miles uh, wow. when I was seven years old. My mm. mom said I'd fill a backpack with rocks and, and okay. hike the whole 10 miles. So I think I, my parents, um, you know, we were certainly a, a close family with, great. with good values and everything. But I think there was also, um, yeah, my parents, my family, my sisters, everybody's fairly ambitious. It's great. It's part of how we were, how we were made. So what has been, speaking of both your family and in your career, we talked a little bit about this before we got going, the most surprising difficulty you faced in your, you could say your career, if it's your personal life, that's fine. But in, in, in the beauty of this question is surprising. Like, let's say when you took over your, um, you know, accounting firm or you merged or whatever, or even had your fourth, fifth or, uh, child or whatever, some, some things you know are coming. Mm-hmm. So you... You, but if you looked back and said, "What's the what's the thing you didn't see coming?" Uh, you might say, uh, "In your career, and how did how did you deal with it?" I think you could see it coming, but it's it's still my biggest challenge okay. is just the um, balance of everything and mm. the what they call it mom guilt or okay. it's like I feel like I can never be a good enough at home mm. and I'm never good enough at work mm. because you know I've, I've always got things to do there I could always do better on many things I'm um, mm. initiatives I'm working on there at home you can never have enough time to sit and read read books with your kids I, right. I have a very high standard for mm. um, the quality of the time I spend with my children and right. what I'm doing um, and so I just think that um, it's definitely the most challenging thing mm. is that constant finding that healthy balance mm. and then you know also wanting to have time to read the Bible right um, and spend time with your husband right and once in a while go for a, a run or see some friends mm. did you was was having a lot of kids a part of your plan I always knew I wanted three or four um, and then I think each time I had one I just wanted more hmm. and wow. I would continue to have more but Brian has told me I can't <laughs> <laughs> five. five's enough um what do you believe is the most important quality of leadership when you think about either your life or the people that you admire? Um, opportunistic, hmm. optimistic. Um, I think they have to um, have good energy. I think they have to have a good value system. They have to um, be reliable and people that um, teams know they can trust. Um, I think obviously a good communicator. Um, I reflect on just the COVID situation, mm-hmm. and um, one of my partners in particular has has had an amazing. He's you know a great leader, and I think of what he's done, and he's been incredibly opportunistic about this. Like, how can we help? How can we? you know, um, get involved with the businesses that need us. How mm-hmm. can we? Um, be the leader in our industry during this time. Mm. Um, I think there's also, you know, just just the hard work ethic mm. um, that that is part of being a, a solid leader. Mm. And then knowing where you stand. Mm. I think you really yeah. have to 
Um, know where you stand and not be afraid. You have to you have to understand where others are coming from. There's there's empathy that's important. Yeah. But I think you have to know where you stand and not be afraid to stand for that. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, taking advantage of opportunities, you, you don't have to tell your whole story. You were talking a little bit about when you when you your your first of many changes when you when you bought your firm. Um, you don't have to go into the story, but what made me think of is is the, the that moment or moments or when you when one has to make a decision so maybe i'm restating what you just said but for a leader and you don't have to be a company you could be a mom you could raising kids is a huge of course responsibility or um running any kind of um position of leadership where things happen coronavirus is one maybe a sick child is one a deep disappointment a betrayal mm-hmm. you know you could go on um, where you have to decide to, um, what are you going to do? How do you turn this into, um, something? How do you take the next move? Um, so when you don't have to go into all your details, but when you were just saying before, when you think of that season in your life, you don't, I'm guessing maybe you don't really know where it's going, right? But you you know, describe what it was like, uh, and just for you, when you think of what, what you, how do you, how do you take those steps in the midst of a, of a situation that's unexpected and figuring out, okay, now how do I make something out of this? It's very simple. I think I've always prayed and then trusted, hmm. you know, I've always thought this opportunity wouldn't be in front of me if I wasn't meant to pursue it. Hmm. There's a reason this opportunity is in front of me. Hmm. And I think I could give you many examples of times in my life, whether it was, you know, wasn't looking for a new house and a new house popped up in front of me and somebody said, you got to look at it. I'm saying, no, but that opportunity appeared for a reason. Right. Um, I think career-wise, I've been through a couple of those where, you know, I was helping a client sell a business and I met somebody through that, that we ended up merging our practices together. Mm. But that was an opportunity Um, so I think there's been many times where, and Brian and I have had this conversation so many times where our, you know, cross of, um, paths have been crossed and opportunities have just been presented. And I think I've prayed about it and it's been very clear. And then I've pursued it with confidence and never Mm. looked back and I've yet to say, wow, I shouldn't have done that. Mm. That's great. And, um, Turning the page to a church, so I'm, maybe where I'm asking you for advice in this final question, you know, I know you just got done saying you, you've been a, a follower of Jesus your your whole life, and now are involved even with you know five kids and in, in, in the business and and a, and a big family, you've been a, a faithful um, servant and it gets as you say kind of part of who you are, and that's a great quality. Uh, but so you, but you do know the church. I mean, in the sense of not just this church, but you, you understand this organization. And I wonder what you, when you think about, you know, what we're doing now, the coronavirus, we're doing our thing. How might the church need to change or not change um, um, to, you know, in a, in a post-coronavirus world? In your opinion? Yeah. Um, you know, I am hopeful that in a po- post-corona environment, the church's biggest challenge is dealing with the huge influx of new believers, mm. people that um, are, are interested in, in 
you know, learning more about God and becoming a believer. Um, and I think that through this all, there's been so many opportunities in which people have served and hopefully enjoyed serving and seeing the um, that there is there is so much need for serving. I've heard mm. of people taking, you know, that didn't have the time. There's this right. busyness about our life. And people, I've heard so many comments from moms and coworkers, so many people that said, I'm a nicer mom now because we're not late to every sporting event. I've heard people say, I haven't had dinner with my family like this in years. I can't wait to keep this up. And so I think the Busyness aside, people have had time to serve, making face masks, serving meals to people in need. So there's been this need and in a great combination of the need presenting itself and the people having time. And so I'm hopeful that uh, more people are focused on serving. And so I wonder if the church is going to become a bigger advocate for people wanting to spend more time serving others. Yeah. Great. I, I hope that's true. And even also what you said about, you know, the reaching more people. I we we you never know, but we, we were just talking about this today, uh, you know, and in, in what do you make of I mean, on just on the sheer numbers you could say, you know, every numbers say what do you want them to say, but you they could say more people are engaged in our in our services. And, you know, because it's an IP, you don't know who's behind the IP, you don't know anything, but we've done these two events. Um, just the last four weeks, one was just that Sunday, you know, these sort of virtual gathering of guests. And um, some of these, you know, I mean, the first one might have had, I don't know, 19, and the next one had 15. I don't remember, you know, the, the, those were the numbers of people. But, um, you know, many of them had never been here before. Um, and, you know, their church experience so far is an online church experience. So we just, you just don't know mm-hmm. how it is that, Something like where you and I, um, you know, we, we we might be doing just fine, but we didn't. Um, we've experienced the church in, let's say, a conventional way, mm-hmm. and and we have no problem with that. We may even like that, but others, you know, um, you know, maybe this is the best first experience for them, whether mm-hmm. they're Christians or not. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Whitney, for joining us today. And let me, before we close, say. Um, if anyone wants to know more about you, that is to say your your work, um, how do they find you? RDGMPartners.com. RDGMPartners.com. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're, we're glad to have you. Friends, thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you join us for the continuing conversation soon. Mm-hmm.